0: And I've never talked about this on a show before. I just kind of put this together. What's interesting is um, I am now in this very moment thinking out loud. I'm theorizing out loud if terpenes in and of themselves have a frequency, right? Like are these vibrating chemicals vibrating some type of frequency? Um, And and the the thing about that is interpreting has more to do with your fifth cranial nerve which is your ability to sense
1: sensation. This is Lit & Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast.
2: I'm your host Lit.
1: And I'm your host Lucid, and we're gonna take you on a journey.
2: A journey to discover the truth and find the balance.
1: Every week we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe.
2: But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture.
1: So kick back,
2: consume your favorite cannabis products, And get cozy Cozy in the the Lit lit
1: and lucid lifestyle.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here at episode 110 of the show. You guys, we've been talking cannabis for 110 episodes and it still hasn't got old yet. So today we have a special guest here right in Denver, Colorado, Max Montrose. He is the founder of the Tricome Institute. He's a cannabis sommelier and he's good at interpreting and all kinds of cool stuff that I couldn't even begin to explain to you. So we're really excited to have Max here on the show. Uh, Welcome, Max.
1: Thank you so much for having me totally and and some of you might be uh your ears might be ringing because in the last episode we had max kobe and there's nothing like having a max to max back back to (laughs) back and it's uh it's a pretty powerful combination and we did talk about max montrose and the man versus machine so this is the man that nearly beat the machine and and i still i don't know i'm still gonna say he beat the machine
2: (laughs) it Um, was close yes so
1: we're stoked to actually talk to you max and learn more about your background and and kind of how you got started but uh we always have this the uh the obligatory cannabis icebreaker is, are you a cannabis consumer? And we kind of know that. So we thought we'd take it a step further and ask, you know, what are your favorite methods of cannabis consumption?
0: I'll get out. This is mostly a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I unfortunately, uh, really enjoy, um, really fine, uh, I'll say exquisite tobacco types. I, I really like those combinations because they're just they're they're interesting. But um, at the same time, I I know that that can probably turn a lot of people off. Like there's something about that in the how it's like it's not cannabis, right? Or it's it's not pure. Or people have a, an idea about me um, because I do teach uh, the first uh, cannabis sommelier program and institution. They they think that I have this uh, that I, I basically consume cannabis like on a silver platter or something. Yeah. minus weeds. And I'm still just a regular person. You know, I, I grow weed in the backyard and I smoke it and sometimes it's not the greatest stuff in the world. It's it's just weed. Um, <laughs> so uh, like you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just kinda of
1: depends.
2: <laughs> we heard some really bad weed this year. I was I was sad.
1: I know. I was like, Well, I guess you can still <laughs> smoke it. Am I still give you an experience but i think that's cool because i think you know what you're describing is just like that's kind of what i was looking for everybody has a different experience and everybody has like their own unique way and um i think that that's gonna kind of lend good into our conversation later on down in in this episode of um talking about you know plant medicine general and and kind of how these herbs kind of benefit our life and i don't think you got to settle with just like one herb I know a lot of people who also do cannabis blends with like multiple herbs, like I mean I, we smoke some stuff with like, like lavender, lavender and different things in it, and that, that was fine.
0: oh man if if you knew how many different herbs that I've collected myself from the wild um, that I have uh, stored for different uh, blending purposes or also ceremony purposes, mm-hmm. um, I combine that as well um. I don't know if I should say this on the show. Maybe I shouldn't, uh, but I, I have plants and know the recipes um, that ancient ones, ancient people uh, used for uh, purposeful flight work. And flight work means flying. So we're talking about people who are flying, right? Um, and these are uh, typically witches Uh, in uh, the European region, or uh, people flying on carpets in India, or people flying in baskets in the north to uh, central American regions. It's all the same plant that they use to take their consciousness outside of themselves physically and transport it somewhere geographically and have it actually exist consciously there while their bodies are elsewhere. Um, and, and that's just a simple blend into cannabis that you smoke. Um, simple. And,
2: and, and... <laughs> Sounds great. Where can we get yeah. this blend? Yeah. And so,
0: so, you know, some of those blends can be potent. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> I would see. So.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: If I end up in Egypt, I mean, like Jesus Christ, we got,
2: we got quite the blend.
1: Yeah, that's a, a strong sativa. <laughs> <man>. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
2: Well, why don't you explain to us, first of all, like what interpreting is and like how you came about this and like how you discovered this skill and just kind of give us a little bit more about how this all came to be?
0: Sure. So, um, interpreting is something a little, uh, esoteric in and of itself, which is a good thing. And it's also a terrible thing. Like, it's not good when you're trying to. Teach people something that you tell them is important and um, it's interesting and it has consistency uh, when you apply it to cannabis. And when you do, um, you have more control over the cannabis that you have. You can get around the strain name dilemma. You can get around whatever the lab testing says. You know more truthfully how uh, potent your flower is and what direction of psychotropic activity it, it will fall then it almost seems too good to be true. Like how could a person know all of that by just looking at cannabis that's in front of them and feeling it and smelling it and investigating it? How could they know more than what the current labs are testing for? Because we know that labs don't test for potency. They test for how much THC is in a flower, but that one molecule compared to all the other psychotropic molecules combined um, does not equate to what potency is and means. And so they don't look for potency, but they also don't look for if it's a stimulant or sedative. They'll tell you uh, there's a handful of terpenes in there, but they won't explain to you that the combination of them will create a stimulating or sedative effect. So it'd be, it's pretty amazing that a human being claims that they could do this, let alone take people's money to teach them how to do <laughs> it, right? and and have people believe like that this is real or true because it sounds like bullshit right it just it does it sounds like bullshit if somebody told me about this i would think it was bullshit i would (laughs) i would need proof i would need evidence there's no way that that's real it sounds crazy it does it sounds crazy Mm -hmm. um and, and the thing that sucked is, is is this crazy thing that I've been running around the world teaching people um, professionally for the past five years uh, with the Trichome Institute. And we have uh, taught over 5,000 people now, oh, around incredible. the world, um, over uh, 3,000 of which have been in person. Um, and so, so, yeah, so there's, there's thousands of people around the world who have learned this skill. Who ha- and, and and thousands more who have the book and the tools and, and who are learning more about it. What's true is um, I, a lot of people still don't know what it is. They still don't know how it works. Um, I, I guess before I get into that, <laughs> you asked, like, how did, how did I figure it out? How did I get into it? Um, I have... Uh, for, so first of all, I'm a dominant super taster. I've been tested uh, both genetically uh, and chemically. So I can taste and smell and feel things um, at a higher frequency than what most normal people can. Um, and, and that's fun and interesting in life uh, for some things. And it also really sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, <so> for-
1: it's, <laughs> things like overpowering to you, like smells and everything sometimes?
0: Yeah, but all, but also sound. Um, even uh, sometimes frequencies are too overpowering that I can feel. Um, I can tell people that their television is on upstairs in two rooms over, and they'll tell me that, no, they turned it off. And I'm like, no, you turned the power off, well, in some capacity, and the screen is black, but the TV still has... Uh, signal going to it and the volume is just turned down. It's not all the way powered off. Cause I can literally heal, hear the electric unit vibrating from wow. a far away and they'll run upstairs and touch the power button and you'll see a black screen turn more black as it's actually off. And so I can actually, I'm sensitive to even those little frequencies. Um, and then what's interesting is, and I've never talked about this on a show before. I just kind of put this together. What's interesting is, um, I am now in this very moment thinking out loud. I'm theorizing out loud if terpenes in and of themselves have a frequency, right? Like, are these vibrating chemicals vibrating some type of frequency? Um, And the the thing about that is interpreting has more to do with your fifth cranial nerve, which is your ability to sense sensation in your face. It is not smelling. Smelling is your first cranial nerve. And you can smell that terpenes are there. But, you, but what we teach people to do is to feel where in their face the totality of the terpene types in their random arrangement are felt in particular parts of the face because that is consistent to their effect. So if you feel terpenes in this part of your face, that flower is going to be a stimulant. If you feel terpenes in this part of your face, that flower is going to be a sedative. And these the the, the sensation of the frequency of the collection of these terpene types that are arranged and sensed in these certain areas also correlate with the inflorescence of the flower. And inflorescence means the sh- the, the total shape of the flower that you're looking at and that we're talking about the, the largeness of the calyxes, how spacious they are around each other. Are they clumped? Is the flower rounder? Is it elongated? What are your style and stigma like? Your pistolet? Are they longer? Are they thicker? Are they more red in color? Are they, um, is there more of them or are they more petite in nature? What is the color of your herb? Is it lighter? Is it darker? And where on what parts of the inflorescence of the flower? All of these things together, what your flower smells like, where it smells like, the inflorescence of those cola shapes, all have a correlation, a totality with each other that equate to specificity of effect type. And those specific effect types fall within a range of five. There are five effect types that cannabis produces. And it's really simple. It's most sedative. It's slightly sedative. It's in between sedative and stimulating. It's slightly stimulating and it's the most stimulating. Those are the five effect types that cannabis falls within. And that's the truth about flower. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the broad to narrow leaf spectrum that cannabis produces. And that's why it's so true that it's not either indica or sativa as if it was one or two when it's five there is a spectrum and (laughs) none of these hybrid types uh you could consider anything near uh what their ancientness was right so their ancientness was sativa and it was indica and these dogs were wolves, and they were coyotes. And and what we have today when you go to the pet store is French bulldogs. You have domesticated hybrid canine types that fit our uses the best because that's how we bred them and grew them. There's no difference in the dispensary.
2: Wow. So for the people that are still, you know, you, you can go to the dispensary and buy, you know, Indica, Sativa hybrid. How accurate are those? categories that they're putting them in
0: (laughs) well uh i'm gonna bump it i'm gonna bump it up a notch (laughs) (laughs) let's let's move from the dispensary all the way up to a cannabis cup a competition right now this is gonna make that dispensary this is gonna make or break that dispensary's you know business right whether they win or not. And, and that matters in this industry. Um, and, and if you ask me that question, how often, like how, how legitimate is that? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, my, my team of cannabis grading uh, experts, I, I can call them that, but they are. Um, they're all level three certified interpreters. There's about five to seven of us that will rent an Airbnb in some Poor person's house. When I say poor, I mean poor them that we're going to (laughs) unbeknownst to them build a (laughs) cannabis grading laboratory in their living room. Didn't think they are expecting. Um, We're going to do that to be able to crush uh, an entire cannabis competition, such as the Dope Cup that we used to judge around Oregon, Washington, Colorado, California, right? And this group of cannabis experts our job is to judge the entire competition. And we've got all the categories, got everything set up, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time you start grading what they consider the indica category, and we have those box of flowers that you sift through them, the first thing we do is have ourselves a little giggle fit about all the gorgeous NLMs in that box. And an NLM is a narrow leaf marijuana type which is going to be a stimulating herb <laughs> would consider to be a sativa. And these things, <clears throat> when it, especially for us, it is so concrete. It is so black and white. We're, we know what we're doing. We write the books on this stuff. We're the judges of the cup. Well, <laughs> so when you bring me a box of indica and 95% of it looks the same, but there's a couple little, uh, squirrely little ginger fuzz, fuzzy little monsters in there that obviously are uh, lovely stimulants. Um, that's, that's the issue, right? You're talking about the strain name dilemma. You're talking about Indica Sativa dilemma. You're talking about uh, the cannabis cluster, you know what, and you're talking about a, a system is what you're talking about. You're talking about words, names, and terms that all derive, from the black market and from particular black market information leaders who were generally black market horticulturalists, not necessarily plant or cannabis experts.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting.
2: So do you like bring this up to them and are like, guys, this whole system's <laughs> trash? Like we gotta start over? Or um, I've got, let-
0: i got I got I got pictures of me. When I gifted my interpreting book to Ed Rosenthal uh, a year ago uh, at the Emerald Cup, I actually bowed when I handed it to him. <laughs> I, you, <laughs> you know, it was an epic moment because we're both redheaded Jewish cannabis author curmudgeons. We can both be assholes. And sometimes Ed and I are assholes to each other because we're curmudgeons. But um, <laughs> and that's why we love each other. That's what a curmudgeon is. <laughs> uh, it was kind of like a, you know, a moment of the times, like from, from, from your, from your shit to mine. Ed. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, cause I've been reading his books since I was like 13, uh, 14 years old. I remember I, my th- God love my Jewish mother. She would actually help me buy Ed Rosenthal books at the, uh, tattered cover. Oh, uh, nice. Found. I was just, I was so enthralled by the idea of a plant that you could purposefully take in and use to operate your own self alchemy with and, and put yourself in, in different magical states of being. How wonderful. There's books on this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I, how, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you're writing them. Now, like, now you're, you're writing you're your own, you're producing your own, which are like top of the class and, you know, how does that feel? You know, you, that, you know, none of this stuff really existed so much before. So you really had to like figure it out from like nothing in, in a sense, you know, just a lot of this like terpene stuff. And I mean, Jesus, like three years ago, nobody's even talking about terpenes. We'll, we're still like bragging about 34% THC strains and such. And, um, you know, I, I bet it hasn't been easy, but how did it all come about?
0: You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Um, I figured out interpreting when I was a teenager. But I, I didn't, I was I didn't have enough time, enough research or enough understanding to organize it, define it and understand it at a professional level so that I could at least, uh, have a, a reasonable conversation with, with, with a, with a white coat, you know, mm-hmm. and i also, you know, Doctor, scientists, guys with the names behind their PhDs that only believe in things that have been proven to be true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: An interesting conversation when I talk to guys like that about things like interpreting, because remember, interpreting is this magical thing that doesn't seem like it's real. Yeah, and that's where other max comes in. Abstracts. That's where shit <laughs> gets really interesting.
2: <laughs>
0: um, yeah. And 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 we'll we'll talk about that. But. Um, uh, you know, I observed this stuff, smoking black market weed on the streets as a kid. And um, I was, you know, I think that's, sorry for my ADD rant. And yes, I have it bad. Uh, but that's where, you know, I was smoking black market ganja out to self-medicate. Uh, ADD, dyslexia, psychomotor agitation, depression. Growing up as an awkward kid in a weird world, Adderall, dealing with all the bullshit, right? Cannabis was kind of a savior for me, and but it had to work in certain ways. And for my ability to observe all of these minute essences that mean certain things, that when I consume them, those certain things happen. And I can start to gain a little bit of control over myself medicating due to my observation capabilities and literally buy black market ganja and know that that one I'm going to use for my sleep and, and keep that weed that I got from that homeboy on that block for, for my sleep. And I would get so excited when it, I would come around and there would be another really different, unique type of ganja. That would be the better thing than Adderall, right? Because, uh, you know, Golden Goat or Island Sweet Skunk, that was my, those were my go-tos to replace Adderall.
1: Totally, um, Golden Goat.
0: And, it, and those, those herbs are stimulants. Adderall is a stimulant. Those herbs help me focus. Adderall helps me focus. Those herbs allow me to eat. Adderall makes me not eat. Those herbs allow me to sleep. Adderall makes me not sleep. Those herbs help me be relaxed and fun. Adderall makes me into the kind of typical person that you would see who has meth in their system. They're not the greatest people in the world to be around. Um (laughs) Yeah.
1: I had the same experience, you know, and, uh, that's where I switched, you know, more recently, I guess, from, uh, I got a, a diagnosed with an adult onset and, um, you know, I just like, luckily mine wasn't that bad, but I skirted through life, but it was the same thing. I discovered cannabis was so much better. And like the drugs they give you just like make you feel like shit. And you're like, how am I going to be like myself my whole life when I'm on these like terrible things that cause almost twice as many symptoms as before. So I think that's cool. And one thing that's funny is that I was actually studying sensory processing disorder, which you maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't, um, that's actually like a new thing that's coming about and, and your situation It kind of reminds me of that, especially when you're talking about, um, just like your crazy ability to like smell and sense things like that's amazing. And, uh, I think there's a lot more in the future of like, just cannabis can be such a broad reach for a lot of these things that can replace a lot of pharmaceuticals just because of these things you're describing. I think it has an energy to it. That's different than all these other drugs that allows like the body to almost like modulate itself where you're not, you're not just like telling the body what it's going to do you're giving it a tool and letting the body kind of do its thing. Um, So that's cool. It sounds like you were just like, not just smoking weed to smoke weed. You were pretty conscious with like your whole experience of like being conscious in the moment and, and taking it seriously.
0: Yeah. But you know, I also wasn't running around with a, um, a clipboard in my hand when I'm 13 trying to like, smoke weed on my BMX and shoot my BB gun with my homeboys. It wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't, like, uh, I, wasn't um, I wasn't organized. Right. That's like, what I, I
2: imagine like the 20 year old max doing is like getting yeah. there with like your clipboard, yeah. like, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: writing it all down.
0: Yeah. No, I, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, I have this, I have a, this, this is hard stuff to explain. But I have a true intimacy with sacred plant medicines, um, where they uh, something that I, I can't really talk about. That I have between them is is a certain something. And then, when if that certain something, let's just say something, occurs to it, uh, then certain doors are allowed to open. And uh, when that happens. Uh, A lot of sacred plant medicines open up to me, uh, notify me that they will be teaching me certain things. um, And then they do. And it's it's a little crazy, but it's kind of like somebody gave me an app and I I was allowed to download it myself into my process server, who I am. And now that I've got this application, From time to time, I get a text message from a different, uh, from from a source, right? That can connect with the certain application. And as crazy as this sounds, but these plants are the ones who tell me all this nutty stuff. They they teach me how they work. Um, And in ways that sometimes they don't really reveal to the rest of the world. Um, And so... Ever since I was quite young, and I've been talking to plants and animals since I was very young, um, I've just always been open-minded to listening uh, to what they have to say. And, uh, you know, the black market has a lot of higamaru. There's so much ego. And there's so much hype. There's um, so much money. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Cannabis for me has just always been different and I've just always treated it different. And I'm really just so proud. And I'm just so thankful that, um, there's enough people in the world who are open minded enough to look at cannabis in such a different way with me. Um, and, and to really be able to like, kind of open up their hearts and minds and go against what they know to be true, uh, and experience it in a different way. It's it's really kind of it's it's kind of a beautiful thing.
2: Well, that's why I think your story is so incredible because you know. I, do, I know you do have an ability to, you know, speak to plants and communicate with them. And I'm reading Michael Pollan's book on psychedelics right now. And his first experience, he was able to talk to the plants and talk to the tree in a way that he had never even thought about that before. And I think, you know, these plants do allow you to kind of open up your mind. And if you're you're settled enough and you're aware enough that you can speak with them. And I think even with your, your interpreting, that's why it has become so successful is because, like you said, like it doesn't make sense and people don't understand it. But once they talk to you and understand, you know, kind of all the ways that you've come about figuring this out, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense because it's like this guy has figured it out and there's a reason why you've made all these connections. And I think it is because of your deep connection to the plants and your spiritual connection with them. And it's so freaking cool. Like yeah. it's it's a whole nother level that I'm a lot of people like, aren't having.
1: I have like flashbacks to my neuroscience days and that's why I've been mentioning like the SPD um, research we were doing because it really opened my eyes to a lot. We're also studying Asperger's and autism. And one of my favorite things to study was Uh, Temple Grand and and, uh, her contributions to a lot of different fields and just how she was able to see and understand things from a whole different perspective. And I really got into that and really always pushed that people on the spectrum are actually like a gift to society because understanding the brain and how that works, that our bodies are more of just like receptors and we're just receptors of like energy. And I love that we started this whole podcast with like terpenes have frequencies and um, I think that's what people miss about the human experience is that we're receptors to all things around us, and if you take time, those vibrations and frequencies will speak to you. And, and the bad part about the human experience is that what is it? We're, we're told we we're only we have like six or five senses, I guess, and that's kind of our Achilles' heel is we don't have these um, fine-tuned sense organs to actually absorb everything that's going on or our attention span can only handle so much of what's going on around us. And what it sounds like is that, you know, your ability to sense what's around you has also, you've just like set back and just let it talk to you. And some people are going to say that, you know, it's bullshit. And it's all, it's all bullshit. It's a bunch of hubba blah, 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 but at the essence of like who we are and, and what, what we're living in, like you're literally like communicating it almost like the, the source level with these different things and, and uh, working with them, which I think is like, beyond amazing for for my level of understanding
2: yeah
1: So, um you know uh
0: i'll i'll, I'll thomas i'm going to try to make this quick have Have you heard about uh native americans um in world war one and two that were drafted to the u.s army to and uh, talkers. Cut then when they cut their hair off they lost so much of their ability to sense the natural world have you heard of it
1: yeah Yeah, I did. Yeah. And um, I don't want to give too much away, but the extension of the nervous system is like where you're going,
0: right? So, so, right. And then um, I can't remember the type of people it was, but a handful of years ago, when one of the most devastating tsunamis in our time happened, I think around India, there was one indigenous group of people that knew that it was coming two hours before it did and had enough time to get to high ground and none of them died. And when they were asking them how they knew that it, they were like, well, we, we all sensed it. And you're like, well, what do you mean? You sensed it. They, and they, and these are humans who sensed it the same way that the birds and the animals do creatures that are still attuned to their planet with certain frequencies that they can feel. And they really, and and, uh, when I was learning about the trigeminal nerve, which is the key to interpreting, um, I was learning that uh, that is the nerve that dogs and other animals use when they sense earthquakes. So you've got this antenna in front of your face that is this extreme sensory perception tool that you just don't know about. and. And then, and the thing is, is when you come to interpreting class or you just take the course online, um, you learn about the sixth sense. You don't have five, you have six, at least that I can definitely teach you about. I mean, I can teach you your sixth sense, like nobody's business. It's my job actually. (laughs) Uh, And so, um, yeah, you've got this sixth sense and it's incredible and uh i just uh, i got to tell you this so i'm 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 in michigan i'm with some girlfriend at the time and we're just walking around doing our thing and we just walk into a tea shop for the hell of it and we're just smelling different jars of tea right cuz we're probably going to buy a 5 dollar sack of tea <laughs> and uh i smell this one jar of tea and it it hits me where the Uh, narrow-leaf marijuana would. And then I smelled a jar right next to it, and it was drastic. It was the exact opposite. It hit me where broad-leaf marijuana would. Indica versus sativa, quote-unquote. And I asked the guy at the tea shop, I'm like, hey, man, is there, just out of curiosity, would you consider this one more of like your morning blend? (laughs) And would you consider this one more of your kind of like nighttime, afternoon, tea, and he was, he was impressed. He, he thought I was like some tea guy that had worked in <laughs> tea shops for a long time. And it was just, it was the first moment that I actually realized that interpreting works outside of Canvas oh. uh, was that the sensory thing. And then I won't get into this, but I will state it. A friend of mine a woman who owns the first dispensary in Boulder, uh, for fun, uh, at in front of a group of people, like probably to embarrass me, uh, asked me to interpret her. Oh, yeah. What like the world is <laughs> 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 Yeah, like yeah, she, you know, this is that kind of person puts you in like the most awkward position ever in front of a group of other people, right? Anyways the weird thing was how accurate I was oh, wow. and, and the fact that, um, once I started exploring people, people actually produce either a NLM to BLM like spectrum, and it kind of matches their personality. Wow. The person they are. Wow. And when you kind of research that like people in India have known about people types for millennia, you get into what it's called your dosha. Yeah. And so- different types. of dosha. Right. But apparently interpreting can determine your dosha. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> that's
2: yeah. Mind blowing. Yeah. I
1: can't wait for your next book on that. <laughs> when
2: can you interpret us?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Seriously. That's so Ooh. epic.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: So,
0: you know what? Can I tell you something? I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> can you imagine from my perspective how frustrating it is to that, right. And this is from my perspective. This is the window into my brain. Cannabis is this super awesome thing. It is a multi billion dollar business. It's huge. And it's all kind of about how the drug does and doesn't work. Not always, but from a big perspective, understanding the flower and whether it's a stimulant or a sedative kind of a big deal from both a medical perspective, a retail perspective, a money perspective, even reducing risk perspective from a hospital perspective. It's a big deal to know how this drug works. And cannabis is the only drug on the planet that is either a stimulant, a sedative, somewhere in between, psychoactive and non-intoxicating simultaneously. So it's confusing. So you would think that if somebody figured out how to crack the code on what cannabis is and how it works and whether it's a stimulant or a sedative you would think that that would be the world's biggest news we're talking front cover of national geographic (laughs) human beings can smell the difference between cannabis variety types Medical patients now have more control over this, that, and the other. We can change the labeling system and testing system on cannabis. People who you know want to smoke for a concert can get herbs that are more dedicated for what they're looking for. The amount of confusion that we can figure out and get rid of, testing, stray names. I mean, such a big deal. But you have to convince people that you can do this insane thing that doesn't seem real. And you have to do that if you don't have any science that has tested whether or not this thing is, is real or not. And that's where abstracts comes in.
1: Yep. QN, abstract. Uh,
2: man versus tech.
1: machine. Man versus machine. <laughs> Those guys are yes. incredible, aren't they?
2: They're doing some very interesting stuff.
1: Well, yeah, because you would need
0: someone, you would need an operation as incredible as them uh, to have done with the incredible work that they've done to be able to test something as crazy as this.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Because you couldn't, I can't go to a single licensed cannabis laboratory in Colorado and say, hey guys, I think I can smell if cannabis is a stimulant or a sedative. Can you determine that? They don't have the. The machinery. They don't have the science. They don't have the sophistication. In fact, I can't think of <clears throat> one other company um, or group of people that does.
1: That's true. Yeah, and I think you know I want to kind of backtrack a little bit on why this is such a problem. And I, you know, I hate to harp on Western medicine, but it really is just like the Western medicine problem all over again. That you know, and like what you touched on, cannabis can be like this whole spectrum, and you go to a doctor and. and I don't think it's a thing of like a doctor saying, well, I don't know, that might be Ambien, might be meth. I don't know. Just like give it a smoke and like see what happens. But that's kind of what's happening at the dispensary. And especially when people just name stuff wrong. And so you're totally right. Like how has this not been a conversation more than today and more than, you know, the last couple of years. And, and, you know, why are we still shopping by, you know, what's the highest THC I can get? That still blows my fucking mind sometimes. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? And especially if we're going to consider this like a medical aspect and that's, that's a conversation for another day on how some of this stuff hasn't always been set up in the best interest of medical patients. But I think that's what we need. We need somebody like yourself and, and some, some backbone science, like what Max Kobe and them are doing at Abstracts, to, to tie this stuff together and then just come out to the industry and be like, this is what it is. Like, there's no other way around it. And this is how we have to move forward. And here's the data. Here's like the folks the, um, that are making this stuff happen. And, you know, I, th- I think there will be a day because I do think that as this continues forward, there's going to be a lot of people who rely on this for the medicinal aspects. And I don't think we can just keep getting away with what we've gotten away with over the last few years of like, oh, well, this is a, a two to one THC to CBD and this is a broad spectrum and this is a full spectrum and this is you know, a 27% THC product. And I don't think that's like the end all be all. I, I don't
2: no especially what mat like abstract is doing that is the future like they are so high tech and but th- those are the people you were looking for right to help legitimize what you were doing they prove that well you were what how many out of how many correct like 90% or something
0: yeah well the so and i, I for i guess for any listeners who didn't hear that episode to explain what the tool is that they use to determine whether or not interpening is is real, essentially, um, is, well, I'll put it to you this way. Um, Most cannabis testing laboratories don't test for terpenes. The ones that do generally test for six to 24 of them. Very few labs test for a lot of terpenes, which is considered 42 terpenes. We don't, I don't know of another lab that tests more than 42 terpenes, other than abstracts. Mm-hmm. They built a machine, and the software that can read over 400 terpene types on a single sample of cannabis, and depending on what the sample is, Some samples have over 400 terpene types on that sample. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: They're, uh, they're, so they use gas chromatography the same way other people do, but other labs, gas chromatography is two-dimensional. Their gas chromatography is three-dimensional. So they can create a bird's eye view picture that's color coded of what the map of that smell looks like. And then you can take that map and you can dissect it uh, for its chemistry and determine out of all of the chemical components in this grid, which of them are stimulating uh, molecules and which of them are sedative and, ha- and then calculate how much like a tug of war, if there's more stimulants mm-hmm. than there's sedatives, then that flower is gonna feel more stimulating. It's the same thing that interpreting does. It's just that they, programmed a computer to do that, which is crazy. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, it's crazy. So, um, so yeah. So, you know, um, I'm pretty sure they called bullshit on interpreting like a lot of people would or do or have, uh, and had me fly out to California to test my skills. (laughs) And, um, they collected eight of the most diverse cannabis they could find, including some of the weed was over a year old, some was harvested that week, some was some brand new strain of gelato that dude had never released before that only they had access to. One was like the OG, you know, classic uh, uh, dirt poison or Jack And some other one was some, you know, junky bullshit trash weed, you know, So, anyways, they just had this like the spectrum. And we sat down, um, uh, in kind of like this little, yeah, we just kind of sat down almost like in this little living room area (laughs) and they sat back with their laptop with all of the lab analysis on each of these strains that were unlabeled and just handed me a jar out of a bag and said, go for it. (laughs) Let's (laughs) see. And, uh, Yeah. And I got, you know, I got the first one, knocked it out of the park. Second one, knocked it out of the park. We're talking about dissecting its age, its quality, um, pinpointing different unique features, and then ultimately determining whether it was a stimulant, um, a a, a semi-stimulant, where on that spectrum it, it fell. And it was either the seventh or the eighth herb that, I was having so much fun impressing these guys so much that I got so cocky that I I, I didn't interpret the herb fully. I didn't even rip it open. I just interpreted it slightly and just said, I know what this is. It's, you know, whatever I said, it's X, Y, and Z. And that was the one herb that I didn't get 100% correct. And it was because I was being cocky. Yeah. And I... But the point of that is if I just kept my cool and wasn't cocky, I would have gotten eight out of eight. Yep. And what this isn't is it's not man versus machine. Max says man versus machine because I told I was like, you know, this is like the movie uh, Deep Blue which is about uh, the IBM computer that was trained to play humans uh, chess. Oh my God. And in that way, someone can either win or lose, right? No one here is winning or losing anything. We are determining if something is real or not. So it either does work or it doesn't work. That's what we're doing. We're not playing a game where you could win or lose. We are, well, I guess we kind of are. We're playing a game that says, can you get these eight correct? Um, and so the point is, is I don't think I won and I don't think I lost. I think we determined for the first time ever that my claims of interpreting the fact that there is consistency in an approach in a way to take any piece of cannabis, no matter what it is, no lab test, no strain name, you put it in front of me. I will tell you where on the spectrum of five effect types it falls exactly, and we'll tell you the quality of it. And when we put these technologies together and use that for future labeling, hopefully you'll be able to go to the dispensary and use your cell phone in our application and just say, hi guys, I'm looking for cannabis that affects me in this specific way, and I would like it within this range of quality. Where in the world can I find that? Boom. And what that is, is that's what Leafly always wishes they could do yeah. and could never do because they use the strain name, which is Llama, And they use this internet research or lab testing from labs that do fractions of chemotyping. There's no quality testing and there's no potency testing. There are testing types of chemistry, such as cannabinoids, terpenes, Microbials and these other things that do not tell you if the herb will affect you in this way or if it's quality to smoke or not. That's that, and that's a whole lot of bullshit, right? And can we just accept that that's real about our industry? Yeah, you have sure. mandated lab testing all over Colorado, California, Arizona, you name it, right? In all of these labs, this multi million dollar program. And we still are testing for salmonella and E. coli, which never shows up on cannabis. And we're not testing for Petritus malaria or powdery mildew, which shows up on cannabis every day, every day. right? That's, yep. that's the lab testing that we have in our industry today. It's like it, it just satisfies soccer moms that are terrified that we're selling weed finally in stores.
1: Oh, yeah. That's practically how this podcast got started. we like, we're so appalled by the testing and, and everything like the bullshit essentially behind it. And I used to work in the industry. So I know all the dirty tricks to get past testing too. And uh, yeah. that's a bunch of hubba blub and concentrates. And oh man, I could spend a whole whole day talking about testing, but I think, you know, I was going to jump back to the point with Max Kobe and Lap. I almost want to say, well, I do want to say it was probably more of a way where they could validate their processes because I think they already knew that you were like a fucking savant. And uh, they were just <laughs> like, there's no way we can get this in ourselves without using a computer to like recreate this in an app to recreate the experience for others. So in a way, they were just like using you to confirm what they had recreated based on like your abilities.
0: Totally. And at the same time, I wanted to go over there and see how full of shit these guys yeah. were. <laughs> yeah. because Seriously. As- Wait, you actually, you think you actually create, it's like you, you know, smart lab you know, white coat lab guys over here that talk so nerdy, nobody can understand a word coming out of your mouth. You actually think you created a computer system that could grade <laughs> if this is a stimulant or a set of it. So it's like, tell you what, I'll be the judge. I'll, I'll be that. the judge
2: of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love That's that. That's
2: epic. You guys are perfect. That was just like a perfect match. I love it. And that's well, but the cool thing is,
0: those guys are also, they're, they're as, uh, for as, as intelligent as they are, they're as equally as uh, friendly yeah. and, as, in, and down to earth. And, and they're just not bullshitters. And so many people in the cannabis industry are just full of so much shit. And so you have to understand it is, it's a little exciting when we find each other. Mm-hmm. When we're like, hey, you really are passionate. And you really are smart, yep. and you're not an asshole. <laughs> yeah. maybe we should
2: hang out. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, maybe we should do something. Yeah. So I.
2: Uh, I agree. That's so great. You probably feel so good to have like that ally on your side. You know, like it's just it's a perfect full circle for you both. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: well, I'll tell t- I'll tell you what um, we w- we weren't supposed to spill the beans that this whole thing happened. Max told me that he couldn't help it. You were the first show to ever know that somebody mm-hmm. scientifically um, for the first time did determine interpreting is real. Um, but what <laughs> it's a, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, we're
1: stoked. Yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, like what, like, how do we do this? How do you let the world know this? Right. Cause I, I feel like we've discovered the coolest thing in the world right now.
1: No, really not it so. is the
0: coolest thing ever and and there's science behind it now and we proved it now there's efficacy but like how do you just go big how do you tell the whole world like hey guys we discovered the coolest thing in the world humans can sense whether their cannabis is a stimulant or sedative going to teach you that
2: yeah I, think, I
1: don't know i think what you got to do is you got to go to some of these like long-standing plant medicine teachers and I think that's where you got to start because I think that's the people who are going to accept it the most and be like, this is legit. And this is what's needed to go forward. And I don't really know if you can go direct to the masses, honestly, because Lucy and I were like fucking mind blown, like blown away. And I think we're still trying to process like what the ramifications, not necessarily like negative ramifications, but like the future of like a lot of different, like just cannabis in general. And I think like you're mentioning, this can be applied in a number of different ways. So I'm curious, you know, how this can also be applied in like, Herbal medicine and plant medicine, just generally, I think it kind of opens the door to a lot. And I also think intellectually, um, having somebody like yourself just speak on it and to, to develop this, I think that's going to also shift people's consciousness to like thinking more about themselves and and their abilities as like a human individual in this experience and how can I get the most out of my experience. So I think there is going to be a lot of like industry shifts and consciousness shifts. But I would start at the top. I wouldn't even fuck around with these people still trying to shop off of like 30% THC.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, you know, I agree with you that you start at the top, but not inside the cannabis industry.
1: True. Yes. Yeah. Cause there's too much bravado. They'll never accept it.
0: Yeah. That and um, you know, it's, it's hard to find um, publications and other sources of information that I think um, the people who take the stuff the most seriously and who care about it the most, um, check in with consistently the most because like, there's just so much going on all the time. And then there's also just so much bullshit that's it's like, it's, sometimes it's hard to sift through it all. Um, I, I, you know, I want to go to Forbes and National Geographic and Science Magazine and NPR. And I think when like, if, I, if you can get the real world uh, the big, those big dogs to accept this amazing thing, the science or this cool application, uh, the cannabis industry will hear it. And then I think that's when those magazines and those podcasts and those resources, that's when they're going to want to learn about it and be interested in it. But you're right. You definitely don't go to the consumer, the shopper and try to say, hey, let me explain this complex thing that took me 10 and a half years to... Yeah, 15 years to figure out a team full of scientists with a $3 million computer program and a five-hour course and 130-page book just to make you smoke weed better. It's like, no. (laughs) We're going to do all that uh, back-end stuff um, for the consumers. And we're going to build certain technologies and these things so that in the future, um, you'll be able to buy cannabis more like wine and less like cannabis. Yeah.
1: I like that. I can't wait for that day. And I think we, we talk about that like too much almost of like, I cannot wait for that day to come. So we're thankful that like the work you're doing and, and sticking your neck out there and, and really, you know, sticking your nose out there, or your face or you know, <laughs> your sensory your organs, sixth sense. And your sixth sense. I think that's all great. That great stuff that's going to really propel this industry forward. I did want to kind of jump off base a little bit and, and discuss something else that, that's happened for you in 2020. And um, you joined uh, the Masonic Lodge and, and the Brotherhood. And um, we kind of spoke before the show a little bit. And I was just curious myself of, um, you know, what these what the the Brotherhood thinks of, you know, cannabis and plant medicine in general. And if you've kind of opened up those conversations at all.
0: Yeah. So the... Um, the... This is a <laughs> this is super super interesting. It's like it's the most interesting. I think. Well, I think that about a lot of things. Okay, so it's just really interesting. Yeah. The uh, so you know so what you do is you approach the Freemasons and you say you want to be a Freemason, and then. You know, I don't know how much you know about what the process is like, you know, that they investigate you, they go to your home, they meet your family um, before they allow you like it's a it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you can't really like lie to these guys about who you are, what you do. And you never would if you're going to be their their brother. And so um, being very open and honest that my entire world revolves around cannabis. And that's what I do for a living. And, you know, and and it's because I help people. Um, and and they just notify you right away that that can't work because as a Freemason, part of the rules of being a Mason is you have got to follow the law, local law, city law, state law, and federal law. And because cannabis is federally illegal, you're. you you would be breaking the law if if you did that as a living and you just can't be a Freemason and be breaking the law on a daily basis at the same time. Like it's not good for the brotherhood. right? Right. And, um, you know, the only thing that I explained was, um, you know, Masons became Masons to be free men. And to break away from a king telling them what was and wasn't real and true. That's what started the United States of America. Exactly. Right. And so I I said, you know, there is a kingship that's trying to make us believe that cannabis is the worst drug in the world because that kingship placed it in that category. It's in the same category as heroin. And I said, but I know that my brothers are smarter than that, and that they understand that it is a legitimate conspiracy against the freedom of people to not have access to a safe medicine when we promote alcohol, which is a dangerous drug. I believe you, my brothers, are more intelligent than that. Mm -hmm. And I believe you, my brothers, are not unaware that cannabis is a masonic tradition (laughs) and this is where they were like wait what (laughs) like yeah uh why do you think i'm almost um, like wait what well it is the every the freemasons drafted uh every draft of the u.s constitution on cannabis the very first flag was sewn out of cannabis Mm -hmm. grown the fields of all of the Freemasons. All of the founding fathers grew cannabis. They're all Masonic brothers. Uh, George Washington, our favorite Freemason, uh, actually has it in the archives telling all US citizens to spread Indian hemp seed and let it grow everywhere. Um, Hemp was necessary for us to even reach uh, the, the grounds of the United States because the sales that you would create were not strong enough if you use the plants, sisal, jute, or cotton, it would deteriorate from the sun and the salt water coming over in the sea. So you'd need a plant material that's stronger. And what is the old English word? Canavos? Oh. Canvas. Mm. You would make canvas. Canvas.
2: Oh, wow. This
0: is where, yeah. And so the new world was actually found thanks to ganja and its existence. And it had to have been farmed by the founding fathers in the, in the colonies for this country to actually happen. We needed strong enough fiber to exist. And so cannabis is intimately woven into U S history. And it's from the free, the, the Freemasons and the brothers who understood its value. Um, and it's really valuable stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, so, so um, and then and then, because we're intellectuals and because we're progressive uh, and I'm helping to change the laws that don't make sense and now cannabis is legal for me and now I'm licensed and now it's legal for my state. So now can I be a Freemason?
1: Did you have to pick their jaws up off the floor? <laughs> Let's just say I'm a Freemason. I'm <laughs>
2: I think you passed the test. <laughs>
0: yes. I think that's great. Yeah, well, but that's also what it means to be a Freemason. It's like, what are you fighting for? Yeah. Freedom. What freedom? Whatever fucking freedom you, you're a man, right. right? And the freedom I want is the freedom to be my own man. And how I do that is by being a Freemason man. And so it's about being intellectual. It's about challenging the rules. It's about knowing your history. It's about... Being a smart person and caring about your society and the world. That's what Masons do.
1: I love that.
2: That's so great. That was
1: like even better than I could have imagined, really. I think it teaches us a lot <laughs> about just like life in general. And, and also, I think that's like a message that maybe the Brotherhood can also start sh- sharing because that's, you're totally right. I mean, yeah, the, the whole foundation and fabric of our country was built on hemp. And I've known about, you know, I've never known about the sails. That's new to me. Yeah. But I've always known about the rope and how even the U.S. Navy still today uses hemp rope on their ships because it's, it's longevity and um, dependability. So cannabis is... Oh, very- man.
0: No, no, no. Okay. Next time you got a, a buddy who's in the army, I mean, feel the cloth that he has in and around him. Feel his backpack. Feel uh, what his uh, soldier fatigues are made out of. It's still all hemp. It's the strongest fiber because these guys are in the fields for years on end. You can't, your blue jeans would just rot off. You have to have stuff stronger. And look at the tents, look at the rucksacks, mm-hmm. uh, even the socks. I mean, even the Chinese military f- sent for thousands of years and still to this day, the only thing that they'll use for socks and underwear is hemp because it not only absorbs so much sweat, but the material is antifungal. As 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 cannabis is. And so it's it's good stuff. It works. It's really good stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Max, you've been a wealth of information. Like my mind is blown. Everybody go back and listen to this episode again and again. Um, you're gonna learn so much cool information. Uh, but we end this show with something fun and we just like to ask, are you lit or are you lucid?
0: Oh, Hmm. Currently lucid and about to get
1: lit. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. That's a good one.
2: There you go, guys. You heard it straight from Max.
1: (laughs) Lucid.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And, um, if I can, you know, trichomeinstitute.com, our courses, our classes, we give tons of free information on our uh, um, what do you call it? Social media. Uh, no, no esoteric or psychedelic stuff on the Trichome Institute pages. But uh, my personal pages, max.montrose is uh, full of it. So there you go. That's
1: awesome.
2: Yeah. Give it a follow.
1: Yeah. Get out of it, guys. There's a lot of stuff out there, too. And I think, um, you know, if you've listened to this episode, clearly there's going to be a lot more in the future coming from Max. And um, we're excited to see it. and. One thing we didn't talk about that we wanted to is last night we watched Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, and that's like our favorite show. Been it for a while, and um, there's a lot of similarities between you and him. And we just thought uh, at some point we'll have to discuss, you know, that path in life and and kind of where the you mean- where you guys might have similarities. That guy drives me insane. Does he? Yeah. Does he? Yeah, we could talk about it. I was part. just
2: wondering, yeah, what is like your just personal opinion about him?
1: I mean. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of excited for this just to interlude <laughs> to give you some time to think because I do think there's some similarities, but then I also have always thought, like, you're your own person. And so I think you're going to, well, you're going to, you're going to carve a whole different path than this gentleman. And uh, maybe that'll help your, your train of thought here.
0: What he's doing in this time period is 100% necessary. People need exposure in the comfort of their own home, bite by bite, drug by drug, talking to uh, intellectual people such as doctors and scientists about it, as well as the people in the game on the streets, the growers, producers. And then trying the substance on camera and showing what that's like is necessary for this time period. So. I like the idea of his show a whole lot, right? But to have someone who is passionate, right? What about passionate and excited versus monotone? Like, you're so like, are are you excited to be here? Or does this suck that you've got the coolest job in the world?
2: True. See, to me, I think that's just like, he's so drugged. You sound like this, you sound like this
0: sucks, dude. Like like this, like this, this awesome thing you've got going on, your own show on vice, where you get to go around the world and do drugs like Anthony Bourdain. Sounds like it's really shitty because it sounds like you just can't get out of bed. Yeah. And you're really upset about it. So could you take your monotone self a little bit, I don't know, a bar higher? Come on. Like I agree. It's just it it's so monotone. I'm like we're be fucking excited man
2: you're doing cool shit like come on so do you think it's because he's like just done so many drugs that it's just like sucked the life out of him what a bad example. Do you know how many drugs I've done? <laughs> oh it I, I'm not monotone.
0: Yeah, like, yeah that's true. Because I was
2: looking at him. We were watching it last night and his eyes just look like really sunken in. So I'm like, just maybe there's just nothing left. That's I don't a terrible
0: know. example for, the, <laughs> for the drug community is, 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 is that image. Uh-huh. Someone with sunken eyes who seems like they've done so many drugs that they can't get their voice and brain out of bed not a good advocate, not a good person for the show that that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's one thing. Here's another thing. When I saw his episode on cannabis, the amount of things that were so wrong, I literally almost broke the TV. I had to turn it off, but now (laughs) I need to go back and actually research what it is because I need to organize and collect all of the actual footage that this guy puts together and information that he puts out about drugs that couldn't be further from the truth. And it's a, it's a, lo- it's a magnitude of information. It's so much information. Here's a good one for you. They gotta got a chair right <laughs> here. <Hold on. laughs> okay, people aren't gonna see this, right? No. You, only you can see this?
2: Yeah,
1: We'll provide color Great. commentary you if can. needed. <laughs>
0: So there's, one, so there's one episode where he was going for uh, this frog.
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay, so
0: that frog right there, yeah. uh, that is the cambo frog. When he's in the jungle looking for this frog, the entire time he's talking about it and the experience he's expecting, thinking it was... This toad, oh no, yeah, and so huh. the buffle alvarius, the Colorado river toad yeah. that produces 5 meo dimethyltryptamine in its glands right below its eyes, that lives in the Sonoran desert that produces very intense psychedelic visions, is not the bicolor waxy monkey tree frog from the Amazon that produces zero hallucinations. That frog is a prerequisite as a cleanse for things like ayahuasca. Uh, So And so so an entire hour long show thinking this frog is that frog and that he's going to trip his brains out. And then because he's not tripping, he's asking the shamans to hit him harder and harder with the substance he doesn't understand is not going to achieve the goal that he thinks it is. That's how uneducated he is about those substances in the midst of the jungle, getting fucked up with them, and then they publish it on TV. And this is what we're seeing is like, oh, that's how that frog works. It's like, no, that's not how that frog works. And the the worst of the worst... (laughs) is one of his earlier episodes when he's doing ayahuasca. And so he is afraid that while he's on film, he's going to go to sleep and that he's going to somehow mess up how cool it's going to look when he's actually on drugs because that's what he wants the world to see is him on drugs. Right. So just as grandmother Aya is bringing him into a deep state of conscious knowingness where all the true magic comes. That's where you get to meet your ancestors. You, that's where you get to learn your life purpose. That's where you get to observe your DNA and its structure and learn yourself real well, mm-hmm. right? That's that beautiful moment that ayahuasca is really there for. And because he was a it, as that moment was happening to him, and he was afraid that he was just going to be passed out and nothing crazy was going to be happening on camera, that's when he gets up and starts taking Adderall. And I think he snorts it to make it happen faster. And so, as he's on this most glorious sacred medicine, he takes amphetamine produced by the Nazis, none other, so that he doesn't go to sleep or pass out on ayahuasca. And then the rest of the episode, you're watching him running around, like tripping out, playing with things, like looking at things. I'm just like, my heart just breaks. Seriously, all of the jungle people, for all of the shamans, for all the women, for all the people who know how sacred this medicine is, how precious it is and what it can do for people. How gross to, to go about it that way and to take that back to the western world and show the western people this is what they do in the jungle this is what ayahuasca is fuck you
2: yeah i can see seriously that. fuck you man yeah yeah well so this whole it's like
0: yeah it it brings up a visceral reaction when people are like you know like hey max have you ever heard of this show called Hamilton? You're, you're kind of similar. Why don't you have a show like that? I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot, motherfucker. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, because this guy gets to be running around doing what he's doing. And
1: and it's gross. That's yeah. what our podcast is about, though. I mean, that's what we wanted to find the truth. And, you know, that's kind of we had a weird experience. We watched it last night and uh, it was about the Bufo. Uh, how do you say the last part of that frog?
2: Algarious.
1: various. Yeah. And we were kind of turned off by the whole show, honestly, because it just felt like the people they were showing were like kind of drugged up. I won't, I won't lie. And I thought for such like a, a consciousness-changing event, I feel like they could have focused more on like the spiritual aspects and the consciousness portion of it. And it would just seem like they just had some like tweakers like on the show so i was turned off by it I well, actually the whole, didn't even
2: do it. The whole par- point of the show was that he had named the wrong person of the author of the the guide about that frog and he had said it was like this shaman guy in mexico and it ended up being this guy in arizona so people were obviously pissed off like you like this guy's spreading false information on his show so the whole episode was him going back and like fixing what he had done so it's just
0: Wait, was the guy's name Octavia by any chance?
2: Which one? The one that wrote the book or didn't write the book?
0: The shaman who does the the most boofal administrations and around the world.
2: Um, no, so they, they this was like some book by like this guy named Alan Watts or something or something. It was a fake name and this guy Sedina or something in Mexico said he wrote it and he didn't actually write it and it was this Kevin guy in Arizona and they were pissed.
1: Oh yeah, they had to correct it at the end. Yeah. The whole thing was kind of weird. Uh, you have to go watch.
2: I th-
1: I think
0: the guy's name is Ar- Octavio, Octavio. Um, but there is a guy that runs around uh administering bufo medicine and he goes around the world doing it. Like he'll just hop on a plane and go to Germany, have 200 people line up, 500 bucks a pop, hits them with bufo, you know, changes their life, right? whole nine yards uh, and i i think he was shown in a vice video and it might have been with hamilton i'm not that sure because i i don't watch these shows like i haven't seen a hamilton show in years yeah. i prevent myself from watching them even though i'm really curious about the peyote show
1: now that uh, i know he did. Yeah, don't watch them <laughs> thank god you don't
0: but um <laughs> Uh, Anyways, that Octavio guy that um, has video of him going around treating people with bufo, I think the amount of people he's killed is up to five. Yeah, and one thing that he, I think he stopped doing is he would give someone an extremely large dose of bufo, right? 5-Meo, DMT. Uh, And in the height of their state, while they are like, literally out of their minds out of their bodies out of this world is when he hits them in the stomach real hard with a taser so he tases that jesus so as you're in the midst of your huge you know epic moment with the universe he's going to electrify you even deeper into that moment i guess because that maybe that's what pushes you over the event horizon um you know
1: jesus that's like it'll almost
0: be (laughs) like ptsd that you come back right because when you cross the event horizon you know you know what we're talking about that's what's on the other side
1: yeah i mean somewhat yeah i mean i know what event horizon is not not so much in this context i guess (laughs) it's just the other side yeah
0: and (laughs) uh, maybe on a different maybe on a different podcast (laughs) we can talk about uh all of the different sides that there are because i'm actually quite familiar the matrix and all the different levels of it, the folds in between it, where you can go, the ups, the downs, the backward sides. And then if you exit that entire building, there is the event horizon over there. And that um, that is the area of what people consider heaven or hell, or the place that you go when you are no longer here. That is a physical space that is over there. And sometimes people can visit it uh, consciously while still being alive with a physical body on earth and be able to come back to themselves fully and consciously enough to uh, talk about it and explain what it is that they saw there or who, the, who they talked with or what they talked about.
1: Um, so many questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we to, that is a uh we're gonna go ahead and pin that down for another episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun
2: all right max well thank you so much for your time you guys this is amazing uh we've got lots to learn still
1: we still got lots to learn <laughs> I feel so dense that's fun that's the fun part about life
0: thank you so much for having me on your show um really appreciate it and uh I hope to uh, hope to be back and hang out with you guys
1: sometime in the future.
2: Thank you so much, Max. All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it.
1: Later's.